Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're continuing our watch of the last season of The Clone Wars, and today we'll be talking about episodes 7 and 8. All that right after this commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined today by Paul Hoppy, my other host. Paul, uh, we got a more of the Ahsoka story. How are we feeling about this today? Uh, pretty good for multiple reasons. I mean, I, I enjoyed the these two episodes. And then I think, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess it's not necessary. But um, it seems like she's going to be in the rest of the season or at least the, the next episode or two. Yeah. So, uh, and just letting folks know, we started out doing one episode at a time. Uh, we wound up doing two last time and realizing that it actually works pretty well, especially when they're kind of linked like these two were again. It's in part also because we thought we were going to do it day by day with eight episodes. It turns out there were 12 because I'm bad at reading lists. Um, <laughs> but in my defense, I was trying to be very careful not to get spoiled. Yeah, very uh, spoiler-filled so, lists. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, so um, we are recording today about uh, episodes seven and eight. The last two episodes of the Ahsoka uh, Trace Rafa story. So if you've not seen all those, definitely um, hit pause, go back and watch those, uh, and then we'll go forward and get spoiled. Um, so Paul, you want to give us just a quick summary of what happens in these two episodes? Yeah. So in the first episode, um, they try to escape and then they get caught. And then in the second episode, basically the same thing happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, but in a more complicated um, way. Uh, the, right. the first one, I'd say there's a certain amount of character development in terms of we learn the backstory, backstory of the Martez sisters, um, which is kind of what we thought it would be. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you make the metaphor, and then I'll make the other metaphor that's the same <laughs> metaphor. What's the metaphor you thought I was going to make? Well, basically that um, the Jedi are essentially kind of like Scarlet Witch in... Um, Oh yes, exactly. Civil in uh, Captain America's Civil War, right? Yeah. In in terms of the story about um what happened to the Jedi's parents to uh, um our the sisters the Mendez sisters' parents um that was exactly what I typed when I was watching it to you because it's basically what we have is we have a situation where the Jedi are attempting to mitigate the damage that's caused and and to some extent they do succeed in that they you know it seems like instead of a hundred people dying maybe five people die. But five people still do die. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get into all sorts of arguments about whether like that kind of perfection is, is to be expected or how you go about that. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I think that's what's most important for this story, at least, is the Jedi seem to have no compassion about those five deaths. And, and instead, they just say, well, we did the best we could and may the force be with you. Right. And I mean, I think it sort of comes from, you know, because of their level of detachment, um, they're able to make utilitarian decisions like that pretty easily. Right. Um, on the other hand, because they have that level of detachment, they're unable to demonstrate the level of empathy for essentially the victims of that utilitarianism. Um, and then right. also, I just wanted to add that they're all that the Mar um, I think it's Martez, right? Um, the, the sisters are, um, they're also kind of like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver from Age of Ultron, who are mm -hmm. like casual, you know, whose um, parents are, you know, basically killed by 
by Ultron, but by the Avengers, by, you know, by the fallout from the, the right. battle. Um, yeah, I think that's an important point because I think uh, it's interesting. These are one of these episodes where – and I, I you, you know more about writing than I do. And I think there's a term in the sort of writing industry for when something like this happens. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's basically where like the story itself, like the main plot is fairly generic and not terribly interesting. But mm-hmm. what makes the story so good is all of the like, you know, all right, our people get thrown in jail again, but they have really interesting conversations when they're in jail or like while they're trying to escape, really interesting things happen. Like the main part of the story is the stuff that happens along the way, not the main plot. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's just good writing. Like, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure about any technical <laughs> term for it, but like uh, the, the way I would say it is that um, instead of all the individual character beats and whatnot being in service to the plot the plot is more like in service to the character beats it's you know them escaping and getting caught again and then escaping and then getting caught again um it sort of functions as a structure to sort of reveal their characters and you know sort of spark conversations between them and debates about like well how should we try to escape like you know, okay, we're going to get killed. Like, whose fault is that? Does it matter whose fault it is? Like, should we focus on, you know, how to maybe not get killed? <laughs> um, you know, when was the best time to say, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, those people that, you know, you hate because yeah. or avoid. Because they don't really say hate, I think. I think they say more the reason we avoid them. Because um, yeah. I, I feel like there isn't this real, like, antipathy towards the Jedi. There's almost like... um like a contempt sort of yeah. like yeah they go around playing space cops saying that they're going to do good they're going to do this they're going to do that but like ultimately they leave a path of destruction you know in their wake and and they don't seem to have deep feelings towards that and you know um basically i think they're kind of saying like yeah they say they're going to be this thing and like that sounds like a good thing but they're not that, or they weren't that yeah. for us. We're then like at the end of the episode, you know, um, Rafa's basically like, yeah, you, you are a Jedi, like, or at least you're what I think they should be, you know? Right. Yeah. Just two things. One, just to bounce back to the story thing. I think what you said is very right about like here, the plot serves the story beats and, um, or the character beats, especially because mm-hmm. honestly, like, I think I, I was getting a little bit frustrated with the story itself. Like the mm-hmm. capture, release, capture, release. It got a little bit repetitive. Yeah. But the story, the, the character beats were so good that I didn't really care much. Right. Um, like at the end of the first uh, episode seven, the first of the two that we're discussing now, I was kind of frustrated with like, so nothing happened, you know, and then right. like that the next episode, but like I wanted to watch the next episode because I enjoyed what did happen, you know, yeah. so nothing happened really in terms of like plot in terms of like moving characters from point a to point b they were still at right. point a right um yeah and then it felt that way towards the end of, of of episode eight as well but yeah um but the what was going on between the characters was good enough that it, it made me want to see the next one and like i almost watched episode nine last night i was like, <laughs> like yeah, no, no. i'm gonna force myself to go to sleep i i um, had to do the same thing this morning um but no i i 100 get that um Especially because, um, for me, you know, one thing we've talked about, I mean, for you and I in 30 years of being friends talking about, um, 
uh, Star Wars or 25 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, as well as just what I talk about all the time I talk about on any of the shows where I talk about Star Wars is I'm always so fascinated on how are the Jedi perceived, you know? Mm. And mm-hmm. I think for Ahsoka, it makes sense, especially because in most of the show, she's dealing with the clones who yeah. are pretty much genetically programmed to revere the Jedi and certainly are taught from Up to birth. a point. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> until other orders. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's part of why I really want to – it's part of why Order 66 has always seemed weird to me because yeah. – um, and I'll say here I'm also influenced somewhat by the books, uh, the Republic Commando books that I've talked about before. In those books, they really make it clear, like, there's a moment um, early in one of the books where a very, very novice Jedi is all of a sudden put in control, and a Jedi who doesn't feel very confident in themselves, and the clones, like, like they, it doesn't compute to them that a Jedi could not know what to do, because they're just so mm. used to the study. And, and so, if you assume Ahsoka's kind of in that culture, for her to now be in this one of... To me, it was really powerful, especially because I think it really shows how she is in such an interesting place of, you know, you often talk about how immigrants like, you know, someone in the 1800s leaves Ireland because they think it's terrible and everyone's starving and they can't wait to leave. But then they get here and like someone else talks bad about Ireland and they get really annoyed. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way about New York City. Like, I love it. I'll defend it to the death and I don't ever want to live there again. Um and I kind of feel like Ahsoka's like that with the Jedi right now. Right. Where, like, she – I think she thinks to some extent that the sisters are right, but it's also really hard for her to hear because so much of her identity has been wrapped up in this idea that she's a Jedi and mm. the Jedi are good and the Jedi are right. Yeah. Um, well, and so what's your take on what actually happened there? Like, what happened to the sisters' parents um, and and how the Jedi handled that? Um, I mean, so, you know, we – first of all, we only get one – third-hand account basically or i mean i guess it's a first-hand account right but um they were asleep i guess or they were they didn't see it coming the parents did and then they rescued them so so they don't necessarily know exactly what happened so we don't know exactly what happened but in terms of um you know what what they said happened which we don't again we we don't really have any any reason to doubt but except that right you know okay um (laughs) It's it's just it's like yeah when you're when you're fighting battles um, trying or trying to chase people or catch them in population centers like collateral damage is a, is a big deal right it's right. like how do you avoid that and you know I'll use an example from from New York uh, which. Uh, you know, sort of is like, that's my thing to criticize, yeah. you know? Um, Paul, Paul and I grew up in New York City together. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I I probably would like to live there again, like, not during a pandemic, but, you know, <laughs> Fair. you know, we'll see. But the, the point being, um, there was this, this episode where someone on the street shot someone else, like, in a big crowd, right? And the first story that we heard is, like, nine people shot, you know, by gunmen or whatever. Right. And, and it turned out that what actually happened was that there was one person who shot another person, which is horrible, and I'm pretty sure they were dead, and it was murder. And then there were a bunch of cops, and they all tried to shoot that person who had the gun and ended up hitting eight bystanders. Right. Um, and that raises, you know, in, in the real world, 
there's a, a very serious question of like, well, how do you actually handle that? Right? right. And we can have our opinions on that and we could get into that like really deep. But instead of that, what I'd point out is that Star Wars is not the real world and that the Jedi have these fantastic powers where they actually could do a lot of the things that like we wish like real life, either police or like individuals, like right. trying to intercede in a situation like that could do. Like the Jedi could literally just be like, okay, uh, there's your gun. I physically removed it from your hand via telekinesis. And now I'm just going to have you float there and then we'll just go capture you. Right. You know, and it seems like they don't take tax like that that often. Or they could even be like, you don't want to run away. And it's like, okay, I don't want to <laughs> run away. You know? And, yeah. uh, I mean, I think we're shown that those things don't work with 100% reliability. But it is like, you know, running around with lightsabers and, like, you know, cutting off people's limbs and and getting in these, like, the battles the way they do, I feel like because of the powers they have... Um, it seems even more irresponsible than when things like that happen in the real world. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I know that, like, it's something I thought about, again, with the Scarlet Witch and Civil War situation. Like, in theory, at least, cops and military forces are trained to be aware of potential civilian casualties and to, like, you know, if you can take people out with an airstrike, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause civilian deaths, like, maybe you wait to do the airstrike. Obviously... Right especially overseas, we are not doing that as much as we should, and that's a real problem. Um, yep. And in terms of this specific episode, I will say I can't remember the exact events they're talking about, but it does sound... Mm -hmm. it, it sounds to me fairly familiar in a way that yeah. makes me think that we did actually see this incident in a prior episode of The Clone Wars. Yeah, it makes me really want to go back and watch it. And certainly, I do believe that... Um, I do remember numerous times where I saw a battle in Coruscant where mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking like the Jedi are absolutely bonkers to be right. fighting this fight now because look at the, you know, it, it's the same as like the Superman fighting Zod in Man of yeah. Steel where like people yeah. were like, what are you doing? Look at all the innocent yeah. casualties you're causing. Yeah. Um, and I think. It's like take it outside, <laughs> like out, right. outside. And I think to me, the thing is though that like, at least Scarlet Witch has this, like, genuine sense of remorse and, and upsetness and, like, this can't happen. Yeah. I think, to me, what's the most damning here, but I think in many ways, like, very well written and perfectly revealing about the Jedi is, is as you said, it's that utilitarianism. It's that, like, well, only five people died instead of 90, so that's better math for the li life of the universe, so you should be okay with this. Um, right. And I, I think, to me, that's, like... At the heart and soul, that's the fundamental problem with the Jedi is that they have – I don't remember if it was on this podcast or a different one where I where basically said that I feel like the Jedi have respect for life. They don't have respect for individual lives. Right, um, right. And that's, I think, exactly what you see here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It's uh, To me, it's actually very Elon Musk wanting to reopen his Tesla plant in some ways. Mm, where yeah. I, I mean where that whole thing sort of like didn't make sense to me at first and i mean we we don't have to get deep into it but i think you know his perspective seems very similar to that of like well humans need to be able to get to mars and survive and not destroy the planet so that you know so that humanity doesn't die out but like right. you know the the safety of individual people seems quite secondary to that right. that mission which I you know. And I, I always want to say to someone like that, like when someone is willing to say, look, 
it's okay if a small number of people die because it's going to be much better for the life of everyone as a as a in the long run is okay you first um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and i think this is for true sure. for the, i think this is true for the jedi as well like it's always this attitude of you know and yes the jedi are often willing to self-sacrifice and that yeah. i give them credit for but to me there's a very big difference between like a few people have to die so we will be those few people versus a few people have to die so without asking for their consent we're going to decide like these people are going to be the ones who do it you know yeah um, yeah and th- this seems very much like a literal trolley problem, right? Except yeah. for the the th- thing that, like, on the one track, like, they don't know that the people are there. So, it, I mean, it, it, it don't, doesn't sound like it's a deliberate, like, oh, there were five people standing here and 90 people standing there. So, we just dumped the thing on the five people. Like, they saw a way of not, you know, killing those 90 people and it slammed into the wall. And then, you know, then it killed some people. Um but like it, it, it seems like it wasn't that super deliberate, very clear, yeah. um, completely tortured hypothetical problem. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that it was, you know, more of a real life situation where it's like, yeah, if that happened, it's like that probably is what most people would do in that spot, you know, yeah. not unreasonably. But the 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 deeper thing to me is like just understanding, yeah, if you chase someone in a city and you get into some sort of a battle, like. Some people, some, some innocent, you know, some people who are not involved in this are, there's a high likelihood of, of them getting hurt. And it's like, that's not the first time, right? It's not an isolated incident. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it because in some ways, like, yeah, once the trolley is on that track, this is probably the right choice to make. That the whole question is like, the trolley's only on that track because they decided like waiting till they're outside of Coruscant airspace to try and track them down wasn't an option, you know? Right. Um, right. And I'm sure there's some convoluted plot reason why they felt that was necessary. But like you said, it, it and, and this I think is more about the writing. Like the Jedi have sort of the, the problem that you get anytime you write a super, super powerful either hero or villain, mm-hmm. which is that you sometimes have situations where the plot only works because the character is not using the power that you already wrote that they have. Um, yes you know and i i it's partially why i don't like superly overpowered heroes like superman or something like that right. because um you know or like even in star trek um so many star trek episodes they wrote realizing we've created technology which means this plot can't work and so yeah. there's always like the transporter breaks or the the dilithium right, right. something or other you know like yeah there always has to be this way of saying, and at least there, they at least acknowledge that we have the tech instead of here. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, that yeah, that happens in tons of shows where, like, like in in heroes, like you've got a bunch of characters who get like super powerful, and then they're like, oh, we have to find ways to take these characters' powers away, otherwise they're just going to be able to solve everything we throw at them like that, you know. Um, and, and that, that is one of the downsides of having super powerful characters is just like, you end up with these like, yeah, well then you can't do this story. You can't do this story. You can't do this story. Like stories that maybe relate more to like being a real life human. Um, because like the characters just have such an easy way out of it. And I, I felt that tension a little bit in this episode where, I mean, there's an extent to which that's what they were doing. Right. Where like, you know. It feels like Ahsoka... I mean, Ahsoka could have gotten them out of the jail cell at any time, right? right? Um, and when she actually does it the first time, gets herself out, I guess, um, and, and Rafa, um, it seems like she's 
like not sure it's gonna work mm-hmm. but then you know then the second time it's like yeah i'll just do that and you know no biggie um and there you know there's times when she uses her powers and she's like oh yeah no no, no that's just I, i'm just really athletic like i can totally <laughs> long jump like yeah you know 100 feet or whatever um but you know th- throughout the episode she's trying to not reveal to them you know that she was a jedi that she has these powers and it's like that's information that's like really pretty important for them to have right if they're trying you know if they're trying to figure out what they can do like it's you know and and so i understand like why she didn't and they set that up and and etc cetera, etc cetera, but like um you know they do kind of take her power away from her or make her like hide it you yeah. know um and and that that's sort of why they just keep end up getting captured i think or part of the reason because like if she was just like yeah i'm just gonna you know do whatever i need to do like she'd probably be more effective right especially if you say to them like look i'm gonna do these things that way you can do these other things exactly and i mean once again like i the narrator is just so bad because in in one of the two episodes i I think it's the the seventh the the beginning of the seventh but the narrator mm-hmm. basically says, like, Ahsoka now has this terrible choice. Will she reveal mm. that she's a Jedi? Right, um, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. sort of thinking, so the question is, do you have two of your friends decide they don't want to be your friends anymore because you lied to them? Or do you get your friends killed? Right, um, right. <laughs> and like, hello, Mr. Narrator. That's not actually much of a choice. Thank you yeah. and good night. Exactly. Um, it's like, save your friends and then figure out whether they're your friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, um one thing I just want to say on the power level thing, and then let's go on to the, the sisters. Um, or I should talk a little bit more of Ahsoka and her journey. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that gets me realizing is that, like, one of the things that makes, I think, the original movies so good, and this is actually even true of the, the sequels as well, is we have almost – we have maybe, like, a total of ten minutes total throughout all six of those movies, the prequels and then the next trilogy – where Luke is a fully formed, complete in his power Jedi. You know? Right. For most of the movies, he's the only Jedi. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's learning. He's developing. He's developing. He finally fully becomes a Jedi. He defeats Darth Vader in this great battle scene. And then he kind of goes off and hides and, like, doesn't use his power until one great confrontation with Kylo Ren. Right. Um, and so to some extent, you never quite – because it's always, like – he has the potential to be this plot-breaking machine, but he never yeah. quite gets there on screen. And then the prequels and then the Clone War TV show, the whole idea is all of that. You have hundreds of plot-breaking machines running around. Um, and I think it's not in huge ways, but it might be one more way in which all of them suffer is that it just is – it's such a harder thing to write than having, like, just the one Jedi who is always sort of fighting – like. Because you always have this idea of, like, why can't he use that mind-bending power yet? Because he doesn't right. know how to do it yet. You know, he's yeah. not confident enough, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very different story to be writing about someone discovering their powers, someone coming into their own, and, you know, in plot terms, be developing these plot-breaking powers, basically. Right. Um, where, I mean, in a lot of stories, it is, like, once the hero gets all their powers, they win. You know? Right. <laughs> like... Like, it's almost like, oh, yeah, if you can just, you know, become a fully realized avatar, you'll just be able to, you know, what and. Um, like, I love Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel is a much better story than a lot of people give her credit for because of the particular journey she goes on. Yeah. But what, like, 
to me, the fight scenes, what, like the fight scene against her former mentor is really good because of the way she refuses to play his game. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the fight scenes of her like just flying through spaceships and destroying them when she's right. completely – it's boring to me. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like, I mean there, there's no conflict really, right? It's right. just like, oh, you've got your powers. Now you just win. Yeah, um, and to me that's, that's exactly why like a lot of the Superman stuff is boring to me. It's, it's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But so let's talk about so Ahsoka. Where what what do you, we basically had her go on this four four episode journey arc? What what do you think of her her story and where she's come to? Um. So it, I mean, it looks like you'll get your wish, right? Of like her having to essentially face her Jedi past head on. Not in terms of whether she wants to embrace her powers or be open about her past, but in terms of you know what her future is. Right. Um. And so I I think these episodes set that up really well. Um. You know, the the first episode was this very kind of small, tight story where it, it was very, you know, just personal um, experience. And then, then the next three episodes, really, I guess, are are a um, are a an arc where you take that out into into space and and um, right, you know, get get involved with these crime syndicates. And it's like, well, that's not really what she wants to do either. But she did want to help these people. Um, she seems very preachy still yeah. <laughs> in a lot of spots, right? Um, and honestly, I enjoyed it better when I only understood like 95% of what she was saying. <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, you know, then again, like things don't get translated verbatim and the tone is different. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I guess I like Spanish Ahsoka better than English Ahsoka. Because um, I did want to rewatch and make sure that I knew exactly like what you were talking about essentially right. in, in terms of the story you experienced um and and most most of our listeners i assume um i, I mean what but I, you know at this at this oh i just want to say like when she does use her powers like so the, you know some of these people are dying like horrible deaths like at one point they're pulling on this guy and then it seems like he probably got decapitated by this thing going up and then yeah that right and then um rafa like pushes this guy off of uh you know this this thing and i mean you know he's trying to kill her so it's like i don't blame her but it, these these feel like fairly uh grisly screaming horrible deaths not of droids right they're of in in the uh review of the mandalorian which is record, recording the last episode of tonight um we frequently commented that it seems like in the mandalorian cutting off a hand has now been replaced by um the incredible unsafe doors that exist in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and apparently yeah. that trend was continued on to here. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those doors are dangerous. Yeah. Um, but but so I guess like you know they can just like kill these people because they're trying to kill them. Okay, um, but then like when Ahsoka like uses the Force to bring a couple of them out of hiding so that um, Trace can shoot them, it's like, is that really different than just like Force choking them? Yeah, I have that feeling, especially when, like, okay, I think we're supposed to think the Pikes are all evil gangsters. And, like, right. I'm never quite okay with that. But, like, you know, Desperado rules if you're working right, with Right, right. I was going to say they're like Bucho's men. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. But you yeah. know what? Like, how about the people who are just selling spice? Mm-hmm. Like, they show up. They steal spice. We, have yeah. no, we know that spice can be used for drugs. We also know it can be used right. for medicine. Yeah. So we have no reason to think that the people who are, like – they're stealing spice from are like bad and evil. Right. And, and they just try to steal it. And then you're right. Those people are like, no, please don't steal it. We're going to fight you. And then they yeah. all die. And it was sort of like, right. 
Yeah. Really? Or just the one guy dies, I think. Just the boss. And, you know, bosses are worse than, you know. Yeah, you know, sort of like, the, you know, fight the power. The but it, it, exactly. <laughs> it definitely was a moment like that for me. Um, overall, I feel like, and granted, I don't think we're going to get, like, what, the, I don't know how much more we're going to get of this, but if you took just these four episodes and put them into, like, one story, this yeah. would make one hell of an origin story. Like, yeah. if you're telling me the story of, like, you know, the vigilante cop who'd been part of the police force and got forced out because of corruption on the force. And now they're like trying to find their way and they're still going to do like do-gooder things. And they're still kind of a do-gooder, but they're trying to find life outside of the cops. Like this is kind of the traditional arc of an origin story for a vigilante hero. And that's exactly what we get. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, at the end, it's like, oh, will you help the organization, like, do something? It's like, uh... I don't know, I'll think about it, like, right. you know, and, yeah, and that seems like it'll maybe be, like, the part two, uh, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, 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 I like that parallel a lot, like, I think I've seen, like, eight Jet Li movies that are like that, or, yeah. you know, where, um, I think a pretty, a couple of Bruce Lee movies, or, uh, not Bruce Lee, Bruce Willis movies, Bruce like Will- yeah, I was gonna say, I was thinking Die Hard, and I was yeah. like, I don't remember Bruce Lee and Die Hard, but, um, uh, but, yeah, exactly, exactly, um, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I, I really enjoyed this arc, you know, whatever. I mean, I feel like a lot of the times we end up talking about the things that we would have liked to be this way or that way, because um, I think it's often easier to kind of, you know, point out the things that you would have preferred to change, whereas, right. like, there's just a ton of stuff where it's like, well, this was great, that was great. Um, and... Um, so I, you know, I did want to kind of just like restate, like, yeah, I really enjoyed the episodes. I really enjoyed the whole arc. Um, and you know, I guess my, my biggest frustration would be a little bit like with Ahsoka, like as a character, not, not like with the writers as far as how they wrote her, but that like, she really, um, you know, she had this choice, you know, basically use her powers or not use her powers. Um, but like. I think that was maybe less of a choice than like mm-hmm. deliberately reveal her powers to her new friends or basically make a kind of a non-choice to like not do that. Cause at any moment she could do that. And then that's a final choice and it's done. Right. right? Whereas at any, like she can always just not do it. And it's like, she's not doing it, but that doesn't mean she's decided she won't. She just hasn't yet. Right. And she's continuing to kind of leave herself those options. And you know, until then, the story takes those those options away, right? So I was a little disappointed, sort of, in her a little bit, that she didn't say, okay, look, guys, like, I know you don't like the Jedi, like, I don't really like the Jedi either, I'm not one of them anymore, <laughs> but, but it's right. you know, I do have all this training, like, I could probably get us out of here, like, let's argue about this later, but, like, for now, like, you know, hey, um, I got you. let's come up with a plan that well, understands, like, you I, know. I, I, I definitely get that. Ass. And certainly, like, I and maybe I missed something, but I kind of, like, I kind of wish there had been more of a, defin- either a definitive plot reason why she would, she would want her lightsabers with her, but she just doesn't have them, mm-hmm. or a moment where she very definitively, clearly left them behind. Because it feels like right. the lightsaber yes. is the defining characteristic of a Jedi for many people, especially at this point yeah. in time. And, like, 
how many times when people were shooting at her, it would have been so much easier if she had a damn lightsaber with her. Right. Um, I mean, at the at the very end, I think it would have been like when she grabs her bag, which I'm sure has have her, you know, has her lightsabers in it. Right. I imagine. Um, you know, if she was like opening her bag and checking them and putting them away, like you know, like Trace or Rafa could be like, well, those would have been useful to have with us. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, yeah, at I, least I, just a little, you know, something about it. I guess and I just I feel like because obviously her not wanting people to know she's a Jedi was an important part of what she was doing. Yeah. I want to know, did she make a conscious choice to leave behind her lightsabers mm-hmm. or did she just like not get access to them because the way the story played out? Right. And it, I mean, it seemed like she deliberately left them behind. Right. Like she did. She I mean, I remember when they got on the ship, it was kind of like, oh, OK, let's go get on the ship and go do this thing. What's this thing again? Right. Um. But it's like, you know, she could have been like, give me five seconds. Like, oh, let me just get my bag. You know, yeah. that seems like a reasonable, like, <laughs> let me just get my bag and then we'll do this thing. Um, maybe it's got nothing, my power bars in it. Yeah, if nothing you know. else, maybe like, A, you want to have yours with you, but also maybe like leaving super powerful laser death swords right? lying around a mechanic's yeah, office yeah, is yeah, not yeah, like, the idea either. The place might get robbed, you know? <laughs> like, you don't re- really want people just finding your lightsabers being like, Oh, yeah. Hmm, what do we have? Ah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's a shiny. Like, even just for the people who might steal them. Yeah. Like. Um, I did like the sister's evolution. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting, especially when, like, there, there's one moment, and it's such a throwaway moment, and you're kind of like, whoa, that's a big character moment there, where Rafa is like, you know, don't try it. Like, you know, we'll come back for you. Don't worry about it. Um, and then immediately to Trace is like, we're not coming back for her. She's dead. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, whoa, that's <laughs> that's like it makes sense. But like the fact that there's yeah. no consequences to that moment felt really weird to me. Right. Well, and then later she is like, yeah, we're going back for her. And Trace yeah. is like, wait, what? Well, I kind um, of like that she goes back for her mostly out of spite. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know what? I I think she probably didn't actually go back for her out of spite. That was like her alibi sort of. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. That's why I said I it, liked it. I think that's the way you should yeah. – I, I kind of have a feeling like in the same way, like we never saw this moment, but that there's a moment where Han and Chewie are in the Falcon and Han says to Chewie, you know what? I can't let that kid do it by himself. He's right. going to be forever annoyed at me that I didn't save him or forever taking all the glory. I got to right. go back and help him just because like I don't like him. Yeah. And Chewie's yeah, like, right. yeah, whatever, Mr. Hufflepuff. You're a Hufflepuff. Right. You're going to save your friends. <laughs> um, you know, I, ha- I think it's that same kind of thing there. Like, Rafa is definitely totally. the Han Solo of, like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll come up with some selfish justification for doing this thing that's actually incredibly dangerous. And yeah. that the rewards way are, are, are way smaller than, than the risks, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the you know, um, material rewards. Yeah. Um, yes, anything else I, on I, those? There's another big plot thing that I want to get into, but anything else on those? Yeah, um, I mean, I thought they kind of, in a sort of offhanded way, also really, um, dealt with the, the issue of, of consent, like, in terms of, you know, where, where, um, Ahsoka's like, you know, maybe this isn't the right life for Trace, and, and Rafa's like, She's like, well, if she doesn't want to do the job, she can say no. And Ahsoka's like, yeah, but is she going to say no to you? Like, yeah. you're big, her big sister. You have this, you know, whether it's, like, a position of actual power or just she sees you in a certain way, you know. Um, 
I thought they sort of like raised that as a sort of like kind of thing to put in your mind without like really yeah. um, hammering on it, which I, I thought was nice. I, I thought. I, I think that's a really good point, especially because you're right. It, it, it's an issue that can look easy on the surface, but has so much nuance both ways. Yeah, it's on the one just hand, not like, easy. I, I think on the one hand, there's something kind of, you know, nonsense about saying like, oh, they could always choose to, you know, leave me to die. Like, of course, that's right. kind of dumb. But on the flip side, like, there can also be something incredibly manipulative about like, you're never allowed to make a dangerous choice because I'll make the same choice with you and you'll have to feel responsible for that. You know, like, yeah, there, for sure. There, there's, a, there's a real give and take there of like finding out like how do two siblings or a parent and child or any two people find the balance mm-hmm. there. And I, <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate that they didn't just make Trace the good one and, and, and Rafa the bad one. Yeah, me too. They, they made them both, you know, real characters where they, they both, you know, Rafa, you know, they, they each tend this way or that way. But like, you know, they both make some stupid decisions that, you know, they both, both do some smart things. They both show some heroism and some, you know, kind of some some fear in, in really rational spots. But right. um, and yeah, and they and I, I, I liked that these two episodes really developed them more, you know, beyond where in the first episode um of the not of of this pair but of of that of the four episode arc basically where they introduce Roth like i i was kind of like okay she feels kind of plot devicey mm-hmm. you know um the sort of like family member who gets you into trouble kind of right. um but then by the end of this fourth episode it's clear that she is in fact a character yeah. you know um as opposed to a device and um you know, over the course of four episodes, like you should be able to take three characters and have them all, all have all that um, going on, and and they did, and they did a good job with that. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's true. I think that's true. Um, let's talk about sort of some of the ways that this ties into kind of some of the larger plots. Um, obviously, they they didn't go the direction I thought they were going to go with people on Pike, but instead made it about um that they're all working for um Darth Maul and the Crimson Dawn. Right. Um. Which uh, kind of like references your favorite Star Wars film, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, okay. It references events that happen. Okay. The Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul is established completely in the Clone Wars TV show. And I think that's what it's referencing. There's also oh. a movie that I rank slightly lower than watching <laughs> George Lucas watch Paint Dry, um, which is a prequel about a fantastic character that I will not even speak the name of. Um that it also <laughs> comes up in that, yes. Um, but, um, and no, I'm not talking about quality cinema like the Star Wars Christmas special. I'm talking about something worse than that. Um, <laughs> uh, just a quick apology to our listeners. <laughs> I just have to take this moment to troll Matthew whenever possible. It's true. It's true. Um, oh, can't wait till we do our review of that movie. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fun one. Um, but, yeah, I did I, I, like... I think it's fun. I like seeing that, like, there's all these different elements to the sort of criminal underworld, um, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's especially because it's a nice reminder of like, and, and this is something I think that comes up a lot in the um, in the Clone Wars TV shows. Some of my favorite uh, episodes are about like Cad Bane, you know, or like the Huts, mm-hmm. or like people who are just like, oh, okay, you're all fighting each other over some dumb political thing that doesn't matter to us. Cool. Right. We'll make money off of all of you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. And it, it sort of um, shows that, like, I mean, things like, you know, the criminal underworld are, are going to persist into imperial times, right? right? Um, and to what extent, 
you know, we don't entirely know, except in some cases we do kind of know. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's obviously going to be corruption within the Empire the same way there's corruption within the Republic, right? Right. Um, and so I, I think it, it does um, sort of speak to the, the kind of the, the depth and the richness of, of the universe yeah. and that there's like a whole lot of groups of people who just aren't involved directly with, you know, the struggle of the, you know, the, that is the focus of the, you know, the plots of all the like movies. Right. Um, but like those people exist and those organizations exist within the universe. And I will say that I think one of the things that I think to some extent, the movies, but especially also some of the books, including the books that are written like post severing. And these books are considered Canon. They do really get into the idea that part of why there was so much criminal activity at that point was because of how weak and ineffective the Republic had become and that that was part of the separatists' like complaint about the Republic and that right. in the separatist worlds, at least, there was much more of a crackdown on that kind of thing mm. um, and that at least in the early years of the Empire, there was also much more of a crackdown on that kind of thing. And, and right. to its credit, I will say, although like – I don't think the movie that shall not be named does not quite fully take into account of it. It's part of why I think the first line of the opening scroll is flat out false. Um, part, one of the themes of that movie is that the world in which the criminal underworld people can operate is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because of the empire encroaching. Mm, um, yeah. But um, let's, uh, if you don't mind, I want to take it to the other kind of part piece of big uber plot that it ties into, which is the Mandalorians show up. Um, yeah. and are kind of like yeah. they're watching and then getting involved. What, what's your take on, on what's happening with them? Um, so at, at first when they show up and we don't really know, um, I mean, I, I didn't recognize the voice. I was like, <laughs> you'd had it in my head about Ventress and I was like, why is Ventress wearing like a Mandalorian? I know. I kind of had the same thought as well. <laughs> I was like, that would be really weird, but like, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll pay to watch that. Um, but um, yeah, then them showing up is, like, we don't, I'm trying to remember, like, what happened between them and anyone else who would be in this, in this episode. Like, why were they there with the Pikes? Like, was, was that, a st- I, I, like, I kind of remember those as separate storylines, but. Well, um, so here's my theory, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I might be totally off the wall here. But I'm I'm interested if this is true, and I, if if they're setting this up, this is a brilliant bit of meta ness, um, which is because the Mandalorians have come and said like you know it's a shared enemy thing, uh, and and we need your help, you know, from Ahsoka. Right. Yeah. Um. We also know that at this point the Mandalorians have been kind of fighting to kind of keep their independence from both the Republic and the Separatists, and to kind of stay right. out of all of it. Um. Now, flash forward, in a different part of uh for a different set of episodes on the, this uh, podcast, as I said, I've been rewatching all the, all of the episodes of the Mandalorian. Um, and tonight we're actually going to be recording on the last episode, episode eight. And so I've been talking about that. And I was gonna say, if you've not yet seen the Mandalorian skip forward a couple of minutes, cause I'm going to talk about some things that are referenced pretty heavily in the Mandalorian. Cause in the Mandalorian, they keep referencing this terrible thing that happened like 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was how, like, it was the destruction of Mandalore and all this kind of thing that happened. And, like, that's part of why the Mandalorians are all scattered. 
and they and they reference that it kind of happened like before. I, I think they kind of make mention of it happening like before the emperor came to power, like in that kind of time period. Um, in the last episode that we just watched, that I just watched, Moff Gideon spends a good deal of time talking about how the weapon he was using was an essential part of the siege of Mandalore. Oh, you're talking about the Mandalorian episode. The episode of the Mandalorian, yeah, the TV show. Yeah, the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't remember seeing that just now. In the okay, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying is, and then the Mandalorians in the Clone Wars show up and say, "Ahsoka, we yeah. need your help." Yeah, I'm wondering if we're about to go see the Siege of Mandalore. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um. It well here and here's my double concern. Then, if that's yeah. true, then they're telling us that the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars are. I mean, obviously they're same. They're the same part of the same canon. But that they're linked, and that to some extent yes. the writers were aware of each other. Yeah. Well, they. Yeah. I mean, they have to be linked now, right? I mean, because we know also spoilers for the Mandalorian. I guess that that Ahsoka is going to show up right in that show, and so you know, which which sort of raised the question, like, well, was how does how does she know the Mandalorians? You know, like how did, how is um right? So she going. So yeah, I I think absolutely. I think there there must have been some some dialogue. But it raises uh, for me one major question: Why does the Mandalorian take her helmet off? <laughs> <laughs> like, it it's the one. I mean, right? Like, this is not the way. <laughs> it's it's the one thing about the Mandalorian TV show that has thrown. I mean, AI. How do you have a family dinner if none of you can see each other's faces? Like, I, there's the <laughs> extent to which, like, this whole idea of never removing the helmet seems kind of cool and badass until you then think about it more and realize, like, it just doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's good for social distancing and it, not spreading. It's, ve- anyway. it's very good for social distancing. We should have been telling people this is the way. I'm all for that. Yes, this is the way. And, I, you know, they could very easily say it as, like, you know— Ever since the destruction of Mandalore, there has been the nomads' path, and that the nomads yeah. never take like, something like yeah. that. But well, so maybe that'll like turn out, and maybe like Ahsoka will show up in the Mandalorian and be like, you know, you guys used to take your helmets off. I don't know what's up with this thing now. Like, yeah, you know, like um, I, I just need to in some rem- way reference that inconsistency because it's just so glaring yes, right yes, now. Yes, yes, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, but it it speaks to I think. So, so yeah, so that's a very good question. Very good question. Um, the only way that I think it can be answered in a satisfying fashion is like, these are Mandalorians from Mandalore from back in the day. And that the Mandalorians in the future or in the later period of time, which is also a long time ago, I guess, far, right. far away, um, is like those there. It's like, a I was going to say religion, but it's like, it's a culture, right? Mm-hmm. That's been passed down very deliberately, um, but is, is different than, it's like, that's not like what everyone on Mandalore was doing, right? Right. Maybe this is like, maybe something happens in these episodes that actually explains like why they're like, okay, we're never taking our helmets off again. Right. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I find that a very interesting question and I look forward to seeing whether or not there's a satisfying answer. Yeah. I, I, and I'm prepared to be disappointed. <laughs> and I'm going to definitely talk about it twice because when we watch the episode of The Mandalorian, to, uh, talk about the episode of The Mandalorian tonight with, with Jeff yeah. Randall, we'll bring this up again because it it's such a good episode. But then just, uh, one other quick rant about it. I'm sorry again. Skip ahead. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. is just a minor thing. 
there, there's also an episode. I know because you've seen all the Mandalorian, right? Um, I have. Yeah, I, I knew that. I just wanted to triple check. Um, yeah. There's a point in which, and this just goes up to the same thing you and I have complained about, where um, the our hero um, uh, brings the child to one of the other Mandalorians, and is like, "What is this thing? What do I do with it?" And she references that he's part of uh, an ancient group of space wizards who used to be our enemy, and he called the Jedi. And he's like, right. "The Jedi? What are these? What could this be?" And you're like, <laughs> you see episodes of him flashing back to when he's like eight years old during yeah, the clone yeah. wars like right right how do you exactly. not know who the you know i know, like, I know. I if know. the nba goes away for 20 years i'm not gonna believe a story about someone born 20 years from now who's like lebron james what what is that name i've never heard those words before yeah, like, yeah 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 i mean it's like think back to like 1995 you know yeah like i mean Sometimes it's like, wow, that was a while ago. But it's not like, you know, what was a what was a modem? Yeah. You know, or, uh, um, Listen, uh, I, I know uh, enough. What was a blockbuster? I, I know enough. Mal- that, that's that's what it is. The Jedi are the blockbusters. <laughs> there the, you uh, go. There you go. I know enough. They mal- were once everywhere, and now there's only one or two. Yeah. And do do you get family video in your neck of the woods? Uh. <laughs> family video is a store that i'm convinced is just a chain of drug fronts because i have no oh, idea okay. how you still make money selling videos these days oh. right right yeah yeah probably probably that sounds right anyway. i mean not to be smart's their good name but um <laughs> yeah sorry if we're gonna get lawsuited um now that we are fairly Maybe they sell vinyl yeah <laughs> excuse me now that we are fairly deep into um uh tangent land is there any last comments you want to make or should we wrap this up there, there was a thought that was coalescing until you brought up Sam. Oh yeah, the child is like what twenty five at this point in time. I think twenty twenty five. Yeah, thirty. Yeah. So it it really is truly bizarre when you think about you know just the the time that elapses and how short it is, and yet how grand it feels yeah. the way they talk about it you know that's maybe if i had to pick a single biggest complaint <clears throat> about the star wars universe it would probably be that like it's so epic it takes place over such a wide period of uh expanse of space right? right so many star systems um it feels like it takes place over such an expanse of time but actually it's like it's really quite concentrated for the most part you know i mean there is actually a substantial amount of time more substantial i guess it feels between um the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy i guess yeah i Um, I should read a timeline last night and last night and specifically says that like um the emperor comes to power 19 years before the battle of yawin and Right. Return of the Jedi is actually only four. I always thought it was like ten years later. Return of the Jedi is only four years after the Battle of Yawin, and yeah. the Force Awakens is thirty years later. Right. So the thirty years like feels more like not really a satisfying, reasonable amount of time for people to forget everything about the Jedi and all that. Mm-hmm. But like better than what do you say? Nineteen years between the Clone Wars and a New Hope. Yeah, nineteen like, years. Nineteen years. That's that's not a lot of time. Yeah. It's, you know, for this just societal forgetting to happen. 
I mean, the interpretation that I always had of what happened in the past, based on what is said in the original trilogy of movies, was that like five, six, uh, 500, 600, 1,000 years ago, the purge of the Jedi began mm-hmm. to the point where for like centuries, most people thought the Jedi were wiped out and there was a small, small number of them just barely hanging on. And one yeah. of them was this guy named Anakin Skywalker who betrayed the last of the Jedi and caused the last of the Jedi to be killed. Um, right. That makes so much more sense. That that fits the yeah, story yeah. in a way. It does. Um, yeah. I'd watch those prequels. <laughs> I'd watch almost any other prequel. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think then we're pretty much in tangent land, so we start wrapping yeah. up. Um, Paul, as always, thank you. Listeners, as always, thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Find us on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on email. All the links are in the show notes. Also, um, starting at the end of this week, and especially going next week, um, due to our friends at the uh, MCU cast, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and all the Stranded Panda podcasts, we're doing a big review push for my sister podcast uh, that Paul helped start, Superhero Ethics. Um, uh, From now until next Sunday, if you write a uh, review of Superhero Ethics, um, hopefully giving us five stars, um, you will get entered into a chance to uh, win a t-shirt from either Superhero Ethics or the MCU. Uh, that'll only be for the people who've written reviews, uh, five-star reviews for Superhero Ethics. Um, you'll also get entered into a larger drawing with all the people who've written reviews for any super, uh, for any Stranded Panda podcast, and the winner of that will get a copy of the Avengers video game that I believe is going to come out from a number of different platforms. You can get it in the platform of your choice, and that will be in the fall of this year. So, um, and, you know, if you don't think we deserve a five-star review, we still would love to hear what your thoughts anyway. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we could do better. Let us know what we're doing worse. You know, obviously, please don't write a five-star review and just say, I'm just doing this for the video game. Like, write an actual review, please, whatever you're going to do. Um, but whether it's five stars or less, we'd love to know what you're thinking. Um, and we just want to know what you think about these episodes. What are you enjoying? What do you think could be different? What do you think What do you think is great about it? Write in. Let us know. Let us talk to you about it. Um, so I'm having Paul, myself, everybody involved. Thank you all so much. May the force be with you. Funfsterna, bitte. Da. That's Russian. And we're out. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Oh, five stars, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I like it. <laughs>